Hello, and welcome to Owning Your Vibe with me, Psychic Medium Montana Green, the podcast dedicated to helping you master your personal energy, intuition, and live in harmony with spiritual laws and energies. So listen along as I weave my considerable knowledge of spirituality, metaphysics, and health and wellness to help you own your vibe. beautiful radiant souls of the world. I hope you're all doing amazing out there. Spring is on the verge of giving away to summer and I for one am absolutely delighted. More hours of daylight means more time for socializing and who doesn't love some good summer fun. So right now with the sun in Gemini and also a new moon in Gemini, Gemini being the sign of thought communication and mindfulness it reminds us that words are important and they do have power so i thought it would be a great opportunity to do an episode on soul contracts those are the agreements that we make on a soul level with ourselves and also other people now additionally right now we've got pluto and mercury still in retrograde for just a little bit longer here and those two retrogrades urge us to reevaluate a couple of things. Now, interestingly, Pluto's retrograde is bringing some closure to energies and things that we started about 21 years ago. So there's a couple of other 14 and seven year cycles that are also closing out at this time. But basically, be thinking back to the big life changes that started back in like 2001, 2008, 2015 for you. And think of this time as an opportunity to either re-sign or renegotiate or even terminate some agreements and contracts. Why? Because we always have free will. (laughs) And free will is the most high-ranking universal law. So let's go ahead and jump into our topic today. And again, that topic is soul contracts, vows, and agreements. So first off, what exactly is a soul contract, a vow, or an agreement? So that is basically a predetermined arrangement or agreement that's legally binding on the soul level and a record of all of your contracts, vows, and agreements are stored in a couple of places, mainly the Akashic records, if you've ever heard of that, uh, but also your light body and your divine line also hold those imprints of those contracts and agreements pretty much right along with everything else you do. (laughs) So, okay, what exactly is your divine line? Well, your divine line is more or less an energetic pipeline that connects you to your higher self in the God consciousness. This divine line, as I said, holds an imprint of all your contracts, your vows, your agreements, all of those things. And that divine line follows with you or goes with you from lifetime to lifetime. So that's why it's important in context of this conversation. Now, Some of your contracts and agreements are made before you're born. An example of this would be the contracts between your parents and your family to help raise you. Many, many agreements and contracts are made in the pre-life planning stage, which is exactly why we like to do a lot of hypnosis healing sessions and taking the person back to that pre-life planning stage. A lot of really good information can be uh, found there. But anyways... Um, if you recall one of my earlier episodes on, I think it was episode number three, but it was about the death and the afterlife process. So one of the last steps is planning for your next lifetime. So that's what we call the pre-life planning stage. And a lot of very important things happen there. This is where you basically game plan for your upcoming life. So when we talk about fate and destiny, We're also really talking about the contracts and agreements that go along with them. Now, other contracts can be made by your human self here on Earth, and your human self contracts can both be conscious or unconscious. In other words, you either realize that you're doing it at the time or you don't. But we make a ton of contracts unconsciously or unwittingly simply because we do not recognize how powerful our words and our beliefs really are. 
So basically, if you repeat the same thing over and over again with any amount of emotion behind it, you basically are making an imprint in the field of potentiality and the group consciousness and, of course, your own subconscious mind. So the topic of the field of potentiality, you know, there's all potentials exist at any one time. It's just wherever we focus our attention is what basically brings them uh, into life. But anyways, I will save the topic of the field of potentiality for another time, but just be aware of its, you know, existence here. Anyway, so do you remember Einstein's theory of relativity, the whole E equals MC squared thing, everything is energy? Well, we do live in an energetic universe or like a unified field of energy and that responds to our thoughts and emotions, okay? And this is how we can make contracts and vows and agreements. We are such powerful creators. And basically, here's the process. We first create through our thoughts, you know, typically our thoughts come with some words and then it gets supercharged by our emotions and then we concretize it or materialize it with our actions. Now, on the topic of contracts and agreements, sometimes our guides or our angelic team will make a mutually beneficial agreement for us on our behalf. And an example of that would be Let's say that you were new to an area and you didn't have any friends and you prayed for some friends. Well, simultaneously, there's another lonely person in the general area who's also been praying for more social connections or friends to get him through a rough time. This would be like a mutually beneficial arrangement. Both people are seeking the same thing and that would be permission for your guides to intercede on your behalf. Why? Because they asked. So... Say, for example, um, here's another example. Let's say that you are in financial dire straits and simultaneously a business owner is on the verge of like total burnout and needs some good, reliable help. Now, both parties ask for help or pray for help, and this gives permission to the guides to step in and coordinate agreements or arrangements for you that would be mutually beneficial. So I hope that you're picking up on a very important point here. And that point is you do have to ask for help with your problems. I'm also going to do an episode on spirit guides. But here's one of the questions that I get a lot is, how come my guides aren't helping me out more? And the long short answer of that is because you're not asking them. So keep that in mind, put that in your little back pocket. Now, there's no need to specifically address your guides because basically your guides are just God's helpers, right? But you do need to ask for God's help or your guides help with anything and everything because they cannot violate your free will. But anyways, here's another example of a person's guides and angelic team making a contract on their behalf without them even knowing it. So this one might be a little bit surprising because it is not at all rainbows and butterflies. Quite the contrary, actually. But this example was taken from Dolores Cannon. And I don't know if you know who she is, but Dolores Cannon is the founder of Quantum Healing Hypnotherapy or QHHT. Anyways, Dolores Cannon was giving a talk and I took this from that talk that she was giving. Now, in this example, the young man was in danger of not fulfilling his contractual obligations because basically he was getting involved with, you know, criminal gang activity. So his guides and his angels arranged for other gang members to jump him, basically stabbing him and attacking him so bad that he was hospitalized. Now, this sounds pretty awful, right? I mean, kind of, yeah. But bottom line of it, though, that attack was the thing that finally got him to change his life and stop selling and doing drugs and basically being a gangbanger. So you see, he had some pretty major contracts made in the pre-life planning stage that required him to be of good character and to set the stage for other souls to fulfill their life contracts. And when he was going off track, that then put in jeopardy everybody else's contracts too because everything is connected here. Now, <laughs> coincidentally here, um, the rival gang members that jumped this guy and hospitalized him on a soul level, they're actually part of the same soul group. So they're all good buddies on a soul level. So yeah, sometimes uh, the Lord really does work in mysterious ways or <laughs> sometimes bad things happen to people. 
potentially for their own good, even though I know that can be like a bitter pill to swallow. Anyways, so what can we learn from all of this, huh? Well, first off, we are all interconnected. Your life contracts have a bearing on somebody else's life contracts. And if somebody else's contracts or agreements are not being fulfilled, it could have a ripple effect to you. So your contracts can be supporting another person's contracts. And we are all growing together. If you have ever heard the phrase, there's divine order in the universe, well, the divine order takes all of us playing our part. So if you've ever felt insignificant, please trust me when I say you absolutely are not. You and what you bring to the table is so invaluable to this whole thing that we call the divine symphony, the whole divine tapestry. Anyways, sometimes we think that we have to have like a really important job to be really valuable to the world, but that is simply not true. So it's more about how you conduct yourself, what your character is, what your motives are behind things. That's really where it's at. It's the vibe in which you do whatever job you do. Now, how do you make these contracts, vows, or agreements, right? Like, that's a pretty important question. So if we can be making these things consciously or unconsciously, how do we do that? (laughs) Well, the answer is, it's pretty damn simple. (laughs) So here's a couple of examples of, of phrases that people throw out without realizing that if you repeat them too often, you basically make a vow or you uh, say them in conjunction with another person. Now you're making an agreement and the stronger ones are called contracts. But anyways, here's those examples. Have you ever heard somebody say, I will never leave you or I'll never stop loving you or I'm never going to love anybody the way I love you. You know, and then, of course, there's the people that are a little bit more negative on things. And it's always the ones like, I always find the losers or it doesn't matter how hard I try. I'm never going to be skinny or no matter what I do, I'm always going to be broke. If you continue to repeat those things, again, words have power. And that is really kind of the point of this podcast today. But anyways, there's also positive things that you can be saying that also make agreements and vows, but on a more uplifting manner. So examples of those can be things like, I don't know how we do it, but things always seem to work out for me. I don't know why, but they do. Or something like, somehow I'm just always in the right place at the right time. Or I always find a way. Or I feel like my angels are looking out for me. You know, you can say lots of good positive things too. And those I encourage you to do because obviously words have power. Say good things and be mindful of what you're saying. But basically, vows and agreements are exceptionally easy to trigger, exceptionally easy to create. All you have to do is repeat the same sentiment, put some emotion behind it, and say it enough times that a part of you believes it. Now, when you do that, the field of potentiality gets an imprint of your vow and it's going to follow the command that you just gave. So quick, quick little note on that. So earlier I said, if you repeat the same sentiment and you put enough emotion behind it and you say it so much that a part of you believes it, poof, you're good. Now you got yourself an agreement. Now you've got a vow. Now, Here's the important thing. Does every part of you have to believe it? Do you like 100% of you have to believe it? (laughs) No. And that's where the subconscious mind comes in. Because your subconscious mind, again, it's like a very intelligent seven-year-old. But your subconscious mind, if it believes it, well, now it's on the the drive, the hard drive in your mind. So if it believes it, it's going to store it as a truth. And then it will basically... um, get you to act in certain ways that fulfill that truth that you believe in. So again, your subconscious mind is incredibly powerful. As I've mentioned before, it is always, always listening. It's never not listening and it takes record of every single thing. So just be aware of that. Okay, so now what happens if you have two conflicting beliefs or in other words, what's called cognitive dissidence? So what happens in those situations when you've got two conflicting beliefs? Here's what happens. Anxiety. 
anxiety or illness or body aches or little pains, basically your subconscious mind will cause a problem in order to get your attention to the matter. So if you've had persistent anxiety and you're not certain why, maybe dig into some of those subconscious beliefs. I would recommend going to somebody that's, you know, really good, a professional that's good with dealing with the subconscious mind, but of course you could do it on your own too. But anyways, yeah, by and large, we are creating new vows and agreements all the time and most of the time without even realizing it. Now, now that we've got that part out of the way, let's go into, you know, the two basic categories for contracts, vows, and agreements. So the two basic categories are conscious and unconscious. So <laughs> let's go ahead and start with the, the contracts that are basically done consciously or done on purpose. So here's an example of a conscious contract made in the pre-life planning stage between a parent and a child. And this one's going to be kind of surprising because again, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Oftentimes we think that spirit or God or our angels and all of that stuff, everything's just going to be whitewashed and it's going to be easy peasy. Yeah, not quite so much. But anyways, I thought this was a really cool way of handling this one. So let me just get into the example here. So the example is in a former lifetime, Jack and Jane, because I'm super original with names, as you can tell. But anyways, Jack and Jane were husband and wife in a previous lifetime. And Jack had a terrible temper. And one day he lodged an axe into Jane's head, ending her life in that moment. I'm making this a little bit sensational for entertainment's sake. But anyways, now Jack owes Jane some very serious karma for that move. Because let's be honest, that was a real dick move there, Jack. Anyways, now this karma that Jack owes Jane, this karma can be paid back in a couple of different ways. But these two, Jack and Jane, and her, their guides and their angelic team came up with an agreement to do it the compassionate way. So now in their next upcoming lifetime, Jane will be the mother of Jack so that she can teach him how to use his words, how to control his emotions, but most of all, so that he can learn compassion through a loving environment. Here's an interesting little note too. I remember hearing this a really long time ago, but a child, so in the first couple of years of life, a child that is given love and given attention cannot be uh, truly mean or hateful to other people. They haven't learned it. The brain didn't develop in that way. So anyways, okay. Um, basically, Jane is going to be Jack's mom and she plans to be a very loving and very supportive woman so that she can raise a good man and her son. And that's how they've agreed to, you know, work out this karma. Now, that's the plan, but does that guarantee that it's all going to work out that way? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> can something go wrong? Of course it can. We're all just here trying to do the very best that we can. And that's also an important thing for all of us to remember. Yes, there's a plan for your life, but it doesn't guarantee that every single thing is going to go according to plan. But anyways... This also serves to make Jane the authority over Jack until adulthood. So think about it. She'll be the one holding all the power. She, she will be, or actually Jack, will be at her mercy for his total survival as an infant. I mean, he's going to be so absolutely helpless, vulnerable, and dependent on this woman that he previously killed. Interesting, right? So anyways... This will ensure that both people, Jack and Jane, get to learn and grow. And again, they're choosing to do this the compassionate way. Karma is not always about punishment, but rather it's about making everybody better and keeping balance. So anyways, the contract was made there and you can see karma definitely is not about punishment. It's about making it right. And it is ultimately a way of keeping divine order and balance while helping us all learn and grow. Okay, so another quick question I get on this a lot is, are soul contracts and vows and agreements, are they good or are they bad? <laughs> well, uh, truthfully, both. They can be both. Because you have free will, just like you have the right to get into a really terrible car loan, you also have the right to get into a bad soul contract if you want to. Like God consciousness is not going to stop you and your guides and your angels, they are also not going to stop you. Why? 
Well, you should know that by now. Free will. That's why. Free willy. <laughs> Anyways, your intuition will probably spike some anxiety levels in you. Um, but if you if you listen to your intuition, great. You can kind of stop yourself from making agreements or contracts that aren't good for you. But it's totally up to you to listen to your intuition. So in this situation, maybe your intuition spikes your anxiety levels. But again, it's up to you to heed it or to ignore it. And let's be honest, lots of us ignore our intuitive impulses. A lot of the time we'll get a weird feeling in our stomachs kind of telling us we shouldn't do something. Oh, but lo and behold, we go off and do it anyways, right? Anyways, your spiritual team will probably also try to give you some signs in your environment. But once again, it's totally up to you if you pay attention to the signs that they're giving you or if you ignore them. Now, here's a funny story about that. This is a funny story from my own life here. So um, it's the story of when my spiritual team was literally trying to block me from a bad decision. But I was just hell bent on my decision. So I ignored them and I have honestly kind of regretted it ever since. <laughs> so anyways, it was my birthday and I planned on getting another tattoo and I was going to celebrate my birthday that way. And I put some thought into it and all of that. So I was like just hell bent on doing it. Now on the way to the tattoo artist, I got slowed down behind a dump truck on a two lane highway, by the way. So there was really no getting around. But anyways, I got slowed down behind the dump truck and I was definitely going to be running late but I was still gonna make it. Then I ended up getting behind two big old semi trucks going slower than molasses in January. And at that point, I was super pissed because I knew I was gonna be late, but it didn't stop there. <laughs> Another damn truck comes and blocks the other lane and there was literally no getting around it. And I was definitely gonna be late at this point. I totally knew it, but I could also hear that little voice in my head saying, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> I had a feeling it wasn't the right choice, but you know, I was a little bit hard headed. So I did it anyways. And now I have a star tattoo that looks a hell of a lot more like a starfish. And I mean, honest to God, like SpongeBob's friend, Patrick. Yeah. Damn it. I totally should have listened. Oh, well, but I didn't. But that's just an example of how your spiritual team will block you, give you signs in your environment. But again, we always have the free will to ignore them and do as we please. So anyways, just wanted to throw that little example out there. They really do try to keep things kind of simple for us because they know that we need it simple. Anyways, so how do you know if you've got a contract that's good or bad or an agreement or a vow that's good or bad? Well, simply put, the beneficial ones make you feel good <laughs> and the bad ones hinder you or literally make you feel like crap and cause you to feel a lot of emotional pain or turmoil usually become because you can't get past a hurdle or get past a breakup kind of thing. So if you really have trouble getting past something, you might want to look into, do you have some contracts? Do you have some agreements? Did you make a vow? So anyways, okay. From what I have personally seen, most of the bad contracts are typically, and yes, this is a generalization, but they're typically keeping you bound to an ex or a romantic relationship. So I've also seen plenty of negative family contracts that are also not positive and mostly are centered around guilt. And as we all know, guilt never makes anybody feel good. Now, also contracts or vows keep a person tied to a job or a career sometimes. They can absolutely hate this career or job, but they, for whatever reason, have pledged some kind of loyalty to it or pledged loyalty to the employer or the vocation, and they just cannot bring themselves to leave. I've also seen a lot of people make agreements with themselves around their health or around money. Again, both negative and positive. So let's talk really quick about who can you make contracts and agreements with? Well, you can make a soul contracts, vows, or agreements with yourself, just you and you. That actually happens a lot. People don't realize it, but it happens a lot. Also, you can and often do make soul contracts or agreements with other individuals, as in like a one-on-one -on -one romantic relationship, but you can also be making contracts through pledging loyalty to like groups or clubs or countries or even cultures. 
And an example of that would be lifetime after lifetime enlisting in the army or enlisting in the military or multiple lifetimes in the same country. Remember, time is just an illusion. So we actually do have all of infinity here and we can have as many repeat lives as we want. Now I could easily get off topic and go into the whole thing about repeat lives, but honestly, I have had reason to believe that people can basically live the same life several times over because they're really trying to get it right. But anyways, yep, time is an illusion. We've got as much time as we want. We can do it the way that we want as often as we want. Anyways, there are also people that have pledged allegiance to like the medical profession and they've been like doctors or nurses or healers for several lifetimes. From what I've seen, also religious and spiritual leaders often have multiple lives in those same fields too. So if you're curious, if you're curious about your own well-developed skills and talents, get your birth chart and look at your south node. So the south node points to the areas in your life that you've got a lot of experience with. You've basically kind of mastered them. In other words, you've been per perfecting those skills and characteristics in many lifetimes. Whereas the other side of that, the north node in your birth chart also points to um, the areas in life that you're less experienced in, but are intended to learn in this lifetime. Kind of like this is your new class that you need to master and we're going to set it up so that you've got lots of opportunities to learn how to master this area of your life. Anyways, astrology is so freaking cool. Uh, okay, quick note though, here um, Dolores Cannon, again from Quantum Healing Hypnotherapy, she passed a while ago, but anyways, her work was very, very pivotal, a lot of good foundational stuff came out of that, but from Dolores Cannon's work, it was revealed that we all must live one life, at least one life in each race, as each gender, and in each nationality. So, I mean, talk about earning a better uh, sense of compassion for other humans. We all have to be all things. Everybody's going to be black, white, Asian, Indian, uh, Hispanic, all of them. We're all going to have at least one life as a minimum and each race and each gender, um, every country. So, again, I think uh, as Dolores Cannon actually said, I mean, think about that. It would get rid of a lot of prejudice for everybody to understand that, that you know, if you don't think they're cool, one day you might be them. So keep that in mind, right? Okay, so now let's talk about duration, duration of these contracts. So contracts, vows, and agreements can be long-term or they can be short-term. And over the 25 plus years that I've been doing readings, I have seen situations where the person has the chance to basically re-up the relationship contracts, kind of similar to when you renew like your office or apartment, <laughs> your office or apartment lease. Anyways, yeah. So I've seen plenty of times where people have an opportunity to re-up the relationship as in the original soul contract was this relationship will go on for two years. And at the end of that two years, if they still decide that they like each other, they can re-up that contract. But that is something I've seen a lot of actually. So someone can have a string of a lot of short-term contracts that basically work as a long-term contract if you just continue to re-up it. Anyways, but that also implies our level of authority over our own contracts and agreements. Okay, so let me give an example of a short-term contract that was made consciously again in that pre-life planning stage. Okay, so little Johnny, because again, I'm super original with names, <laughs> but little Johnny was born into a regular happy little family and was spoiled by his grandma Betty. Now, who doesn't have a grandma Betty? <laughs> I, surprisingly, I had two of them is weird. Anyways, Betty and little Johnny just seemed to have had a soft spot for each other and they enjoyed making lots of good memories together, cooking food for the rest of the family. And they were just always really tight. They had a special relationship. But you know, as life would have it, Betty eventually fell ill and sadly passed away while little Johnny was only nine years old. Nonetheless, all throughout Johnny's life, his grandma Betty's love of food and cooking stayed with him, as did many of his grandma Betty's characteristics. 
So Johnny grew up to be a chef. He loved bringing people together with food. So that's another example of a surprisingly short-term contract that was made consciously. Now, even though his grandma Betty was only in his life for like nine years, it had such an impact on him that it colored the whole rest of his life. So again, they agreed to come together in that lifetime for the purpose of kind of putting Johnny on the on the culinary path. Okay, so here's another example of a really, really short-term contract that was made again in the pre-life planning stage. And again, all of your pre-life planned contracts, they're all made consciously, okay? So you don't do anything pre-life that you were not consciously aware of. You have to have your agreement, okay? Otherwise, they don't do it. Again, you have a lot of say in your life. Anyways, so in this example, Sarah, oh my God, I love Sarah. So Sarah was a sweet but terribly shy fourth grader who was always made a point to say thank you to the lunch ladies at school. One day, the lunch lady gathered all the other adults around and proclaimed loudly that what a mature and polite, sweet young lady Sarah was and how awesome she was. And the lunch lady was just certain that Sarah was going to grow up to be a phenomenal woman. Basically, she recognized her, right? And for the first time in Sarah's young life, she had actually felt seen. Acknowledgement is such a big thing, right? It's so good for us too. Anyways, that compliment from the lunch lady stayed with Sarah her whole life. And this again, very, very brief. So from that very brief encounter, Sarah learned the value of acknowledging people, of really seeing them, of like paying compliments in a way that made them feel celebrated. So Sarah did grow up to be a phenomenal woman and she actually turned out to be a life coach. So she helped people by acknowledging the best in them. So this little particular contract, mind you, this was just the lunch lady in fourth grade. Okay, so this contract was not between Sarah and a family member or even somebody that she knew all that well. Just brief five minute encounters, couple of days a week. Sometimes we fail to see the impact that strangers have on our lives. But again, that set her on the right path. Those two were contracted to come together to have that very meaningful uh, moment of acknowledgement. And it set Sarah on a life path. She learned something very important from it. So again, even though it's very short, even though it was not a family member or even a friend, it had a very um, lasting impact on her. Okay, so here's another example. Again, names have all been changed here. But here's another example that was brought up in a reading that I had with this really awesome chick. She was super cool. But anyways, here's uh, her slightly modified change story to protect identities and privacy. But um, I titled her the arrogant boss not her she's not the arrogant boss but anyways she works with a very arrogant boss and she's kind of an, a timid employee but here's the example of two souls who agreed to work together in a certain role and basically to role model certain traits sounds pretty good right <laughs> well my client the employee in this situation hates her boss <laughs> kind of for good reason because she really does perceive him as being very arrogant Nonetheless, as we investigated it, her boss is role modeling what it takes to be extroverted, confident, and a leader. Now, the employee, that sweet, lovely girl, but very timid girl, had struggled her whole life to be extroverted and to be outwardly confident and to be comfortable as a leader in her professional life. So this goes to show how soul contracts and vows and agreements are not always wrapped up in rainbows and butterflies. This contract is, in fact, serving her highest good, although she is currently hating it. Mm, facts. Anyways, so what if, what if this girl just quits her job, right? Would that solve all of her problems? No, it actually wouldn't. This has been a repeated pattern for her in her professional life. She's had multiple arrogant bosses and authority figures in her previous jobs, and she would most likely just go find a new job with another arrogant boss. And this basically is the divine order of the universe. So what is the solution to that? Should she just symbolically like rip up some papers in a ritual to break up the contract? Mm, not so fast. 
not a bad plan, but there's definitely more to it. So we must look back to the purpose of the contract, which is to help her embody her own leadership, her own confidence, her old boldness. Again, those arrogant bosses are role modeling for her. The whole reason why these arrogant bosses keep finding her or she keeps finding them is to bring out those traits in her. So once she actually does incorporate more of that leadership and the confidence and that boldness, once she does that, the terms of her contract are actually satisfied. The key is to integrate the qualities into herself. We're here again to learn and grow. So I'm just going to say this really quick. I've heard a lot of people say, oh yeah, you want to break your contracts? No problem. So here's this cute little ritual that you can do. You can go get some sticks and break the sticks, blah, blah, blah. Now you're all done. <laughs> and no, no, you're actually not. So it's, it's totally fine to do um, symbolic work like that. And it's totally fine to do those things. But if you are not changing yourself, if you are not learning and growing, then you're not actually satisfying the terms of the contract. You have to satisfy the terms of the contract. Why is the contract in place? Is it to help you uh, embody boldness? Is it to help you embody a more compassionate nature? Then that's what you really have to do to terminate the contract. You have to be whatever it is trying to bring out in you. Anyways, okay, moving on here. Got another example for you here. This one is about prioritizing health. So here's an example of a contract that was made between the client and her higher self and her human self. So her soul's consciousness and the human self, right? In multiple previous lifetimes, and I'm sure lots of people can relate to this, but in multiple previous lifetimes, this particular client was a chronic people pleaser. Happens a lot, huh? She was always routinely putting everybody else ahead of herself and that basically resulted in very poor health and negative regard for her physical body. She didn't like her body. She didn't feel comfortable in it. She was overweight. She hated her body. But again, she wasn't putting any of her focus or energy on herself, on her health. She was putting it on everybody else. Okay, so this lifetime, she was faced with a very food-sensitive body that was plagued by really severe allergies. But this culminated in an autoimmune disease in her late uh, mid-30s. So she tried all the medications and the treatments to no avail. And she was a nurse. So, you know, she was used to caretaking of others and was still very little time left for herself after the end of her work day and work week. But her condition had become so severe that she was forced to take a leave of absence and she had become very desperate for relief. You know, she was hurting. She wasn't doing well. During her leave of absence from work, she finally had the time to eat real food. And again, if you know any nurses or if you've been a nurse, it's a very demanding job and sometimes they end up going without meals bathroom breaks few and far between that kind of thing but anyways so this particular client when she was on her um, short-term leave she was able to actually eat good food and to take really good care of herself and so you know true self-care was what she really desperately needed but she also ended up taking up clean eating you know she got really into like cooking for herself and she made sure to walk every day she started a yoga class Basically, the woman changed her entire lifestyle completely and started a really good recovery. So upon returning to work, since she had built all these other good habits for herself while she was on leave, she simply refused to go back to the old ways. So she finally incorporated some boundaries. She was unapologetically turning down overtime. She let a lot of her siblings handle a little bit more of the care for her aging parents, and she took time off. She made clean eating and exercise a part of her daily life. She fulfilled the end, her end of her bargain. So she didn't need the medications anymore. The health issue went away when she started incorporating self-care. That was the point. So she finally appreciated her body and her health. So once again, what if this woman had just done one of those cute little rituals where you rip up some papers and say, okay, the contract's all done, but she didn't change anything. And she was still eating like crap and not taking care of herself. Do you think anything really would have changed for her? No, you have to change yourself. It's your behaviors. So, okay, 
Moving on. This is another one that I've seen a lot of. Okay, so this next example is kind of a composite of a lot of people I have encountered. So anyways, this one definitely goes a little bit deeper. Um, but this particular client, again, who's a composite of many people. So if you resonate with this one, trust me, you are not alone. But anyways, so uh, there was a vow that was made in a previous lifetime not to talk back. Yeah. So um, this person was a child of an abusive parent. And the punishment for back talking was so severe that the child vowed never to speak up again, that they just were never going to talk back. They were going to keep their mouth shut. Why? Because it was safer. So anyways, fast forward to the current lifetime. This client routinely got blamed for things that they didn't do just because she was so afraid to speak up. And anytime they perceived another person of being bigger or stronger than them or having authority over them, they would literally freeze and end up taking blame for things that they didn't deserve. They'd get teased for things that were completely unfair simply because she could not speak up for herself. And of course, all throughout school, she got labeled as being unintelligent because she was too intimidated by the teachers to answer their questions. She would just freeze. Even if she had the right answer, even if she knew it was the right answer. And that's actually why she came into me. <laughs> She's like, I know I've got this. I, I'm smart enough. I know it. I can totally tell my friends the right answers. But when I get in these crucial moments, I literally cannot find my words. I can't freaking talk. So anyways, obviously giving any kind of opposing viewpoints was just absolutely terrifying for her. But this one is another example of how a vow a vow that was made in a previous lifetime that they didn't mean to have followed them into the future did follow them into the future because it was such a strong vow that they held within themselves. They hadn't reconciled it yet. So our words and our beliefs are so much more powerful than we realize. To break this vow, this person had to take baby steps, practicing speaking up to authority, practicing doing it, practicing not being intimidated, kind of faking the confidence a little bit until it felt more natural. It was certainly a process for them and one that they had to use a coach with and also kind of like a scripted game plan for them so that when they started to feel like they were getting into that, that freeze moment, they had different body movements that they could do to kind of change the circuitry in the brain, which is a big deal. Anyways, she had to put work into it, definitely had to put work into it. But once she did that, the vow was ended. She, she broke the vow with herself and then she was able to speak up a lot. As a matter of fact, what she did was a lot of the Toastmasters things and it was absolutely mortifying for her in the beginning. But then she got good at it and uh, she does them a lot and she genuinely really enjoys speaking to people. So kudos to her, really, really big, big improvement there. All right, so here's another question that I get a lot of. Okay, so this question is, if I have a soul contract with someone, does that mean that we're meant to be together? <laughs> does a soul contract or a vow or an agreement, does that mean that the God consciousness wants us to be with each other? <laughs> well, um, sometimes, yeah, definitely sometimes, but also not necessarily. Okay, so this next one is an example. Mm, this one's a big one. But this next one is an example of an unconscious contract that was made in a previous lifetime. Okay, so again, they were not aware that they were actually making a long-lasting contract, but they were, and that contract followed them from that lifetime to this lifetime. So anyways, here's the deal with this. This was the result of repeated, re, ugh, sorry, repeated phrases like, I will never leave you and I will love you forever. And boy, these two meant it. They definitely meant it. But here's the problem. Now they're in kind of a toxic lover situation. And just because you have a soul contract or agreement does not mean that you should ever stay for abuse. Okay, don't. But anyways, this contract was made between two souls lifetimes ago. And it's important to note that, of course, God consciousness did not enter them into this contract. Neither did their guides or their angelic team. This was all just the two of them. Again, they will let you get into bad contracts. Why? Because you got free will. But 
just to, to clarify, on this particular matter, this was not a part of their pre-life planning. And it wasn't something that God set up for them. This is something that they did on their own, not realizing that it was going to have such an impact and that it was going to carry over from uh, lifetime to lifetime. But anyways, in a nutshell, this couple was a brother and sister in a previous lifetime, and they vowed to never leave each other. In that lifetime, though, they were separated from the rest of their family in a time of war. So it was really it was just the two of them. They really did only have each other. And that's when they got into that, you know, I will love you forever and I will always be here for you and I will never leave you. And again, they said it so often and with just enough emotion, I mean, actually a lot of charged emotion here, that this became actually a very strong contract between these two souls. The problem is uh, they are not siblings looking out for each other anymore. Now they're ex-lovers that are still bound to each other. And it is seriously a toxic roller coaster. They both know that neither one of them is good for each other, but they just can't walk away. Why? Because of this contract, right? And again, it's so easy in situations like this to go, oh, oh, all right, so we got a soul contract. Oh, so I'm not supposed to leave this person. Yeah, I should stay even though they're, you know, verbally abusing me or emotionally torturing me or infidelity, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we got this soul contract, so we're supposed to be together. No, okay? You're supposed to live your best life. You're supposed to get over and get out of shitty ass contracts like this. Anyways, okay, so have you ever had such an intense desire to keep somebody in your life despite all of the heartache and the torment that they cause you? Well, if you have, look a little bit deeper at this situation, you know. But this situation where logically they know that they just cannot have a healthy union, but they're just, there's compulsion here. They just simply cannot bear to break it. So, you know, bottom line of it, What's the solution here? This is an outdated contract that is not relevant to this lifetime because, again, they are no longer brother and sister. They're not orphaned out in the world anymore. They're different human identities. They don't need this contract anymore. So it's certainly not healthy for anyone. How do they break this, right? Okay, step one. Step one is acceptance, okay? Don't lie to yourself. Step one is acceptance, one or both. And again, you don't actually have to have both parties to agree to break a contract. It really can just be one. But somebody needs to accept the fact that a healthy union just is no longer possible after all the hurt and betrayal that's happened. So give up the fantasy, basically. Secondly, do a deep dive to discover whatever pearls of wisdom or lessons that you can get out of this. As in, you know, basically take responsibility for your end of this, uh, your own behaviors that basically allowed it to get this way. Now, where did they fall into holding healthy boundaries? They need healthy boundaries. Both parties do. Again, if the other person involved isn't on board with you, don't worry about it. Just do you. But you have to honestly look at yourself and say, where do I have weak boundaries? Where do I let somebody do this to me? And why do I let them do this to me? And why do you need to look at that? First, you have to identify where you've you know, gotten it wrong, as in not having good boundaries, um, as, as in letting somebody manipulate you or maybe you manipulating them. First, you have to see the problem in order to correct the problem, right? So... Looking at those wounds very honestly and remembering that we always have free will. Even if somebody tries to manipulate you, you do still have free will whether or not you're going to go along with it or not. So, so often we say, oh, but I can't. But really what it is, is they choose not to. Okay, so you really have to be very honest with yourself. How are you enabling it? Where do you need to strengthen up your own boundaries? Where do you need to strengthen up your own self-respect? Because it's your behaviors that allow this contract to, to keep going on in a negative way. So asking all those questions of, of themselves and being very honest with themselves basically satisfies the spiritual lesson. They've learned something out of it. It changed them in a positive way, or it should change you in a positive way. So what about breaking the actual contract, right? Since this contract was between two souls and no higher power was akin to it, as in God wasn't a part of this, your guides and angels were not a part of this, 
That basically means that this contract can be broken by simply rescinding your consent. Don't consent anymore. As in, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not playing along with this anymore. Uh, you've got free will to not answer the text. So, <laughs> but changing those behaviors is very important. Also in this situation, it's also building up self-reliance because this uh, contract was made by two people that didn't feel strong enough on their own. That's why it was the, I will never leave you. I will love you forever kind of thing. They didn't feel strong enough on their own. So, you know, step two on this is also building up that self-reliance. So building up self-reliance, recognizing your boundaries, and then holding good, strong boundaries. But this means no longer responding to the text messages, the phone calls, or agreeing to play the game. And if anybody's ever been in a manipulative relation, relationship before, you know what playing the game is. Uh, it sucks. But recognize the manipulation techniques and do not play. So accept within yourself that the relationship is done. I really cannot stress that enough. You got to stop lying to yourself. You got to stop thinking that at some point this person will change and we'll be happily together and they'll quit cheating on me or quit, you know, saying horrible things to you that just break yourself. But um, yeah, so understanding that. Now, also, also, this is very important. No more lamenting about it. No more trash talking the ex but rather appropriately processing all your feelings, healing the wounds for real. So can you end a contract with somebody, but still badmouth them to everybody else? No, not even close. So long as you're still putting energy into it, you're still playing the game and you're still consenting to the terms of the agreement. So basically not talking shit about the ex is a very important part of breaking the contract here. So... You can't be triggered when you're doing that. Also, no longer convincing yourself or your friends that you never need to hear from this person again. This is something that I hear all the time. Oh, I don't want them. I hate them. I never want to hear from them again. But again, you're still talking about this person. You're still keeping that connection active. You're just saying it with, you know, vitriol and mean words and stuff. So basically, learn from it. Change yourself in a positive way so that you cannot get suckered into these things again. Will that be a process? Yes. Will that be work? Yeah, definitely. Will it benefit you in the long run? Absolutely. Commit to yourself. Do it that way. Anyways, and then you have to get to the step of forgiveness, which sometimes is easier said than done. But again, forgiveness is the energy that washes all things clean. So that's how it's done. That's how it's done. That's how you fully terminate. It's by changing yourself, basically, and by not consenting to allow things like that to go on. And you really should be a different person at the end of it. Why? <laughs> well, because you've learned and grown and grown, hopefully. You should have such healthy boundaries and self-esteem and self-respect that you would not engage in any kind of relationship that's even close to the old one. You look for different qualities in a partner now. You have improved relationship values now. And that's how you, for real, break the contract. It's by changing you. Now, it's also common for breaking of these contracts to spur on a spiritual awakening. <laughs> and nobody said that spiritual growth was easy. And if somebody told you that, then they lied to you. But again, oftentimes bumping up against these contracts and ending them is very much like a spiritual awakening because now you're awake to things that you've been doing out of habit or out of autopilot. Now you're becoming more conscious of what you allow and uh, who you allow in and who you are. So just something, you know, words... Words to think about here. I had a, a former teacher say this to me once and really just stuck in my mind. She didn't say it directly to me just for, <laughs> just for record's sake. But anyway, she said, no one is worth your mental health. And I got to tell you, that stuck with me for the longest time. I'm like, those are good words to live by. Anyways, okay, here's another example. <laughs> another one that's a little bit, it's kind of funky. But anyways... Um, this is an example that is an agreement to foster self-reliance, okay? So here's the story. 
so our lovely little person, Pamela, Pamela lived out her whole life on the same family farm that her family had established generations ago. She literally never left. Although she did have a good life, she truly never became her own person because she had so much family support. She really didn't need to. So upon her death, you know, her regret was never spreading her wings, never being her own person, never exploring. So in her next lifetime, she wanted the experience of independence and she wanted the experience of adventure and to be able to, you know, break these hard habits. So she felt her previous family, although very loving, had made it kind of difficult for her to leave the family farm. So an agreement was reached within the members of that soul group, which was her family, but uh, an agreement was reached that the members of her family would not limit her independence, but would rather encourage it. Now, side note, it's very common to reincarnate with the same souls. Uh, just switching up the roles with each other happens all the time. Again, we travel in something called a soul group or a soul pod, and we all just kind of change roles with each other. So this is what soul groups do. Now, not every member of your soul group may be incarnated with you at the same time in this life. As in, you could have 20 people from your soul group here living on earth right now with you and still have another 15 back in uh, the energetic world or back up in the spirit world. So again, not every single member of your soul group might be incarnated with you at the same time. Anyways, <clears throat> often some of them do stay back in spirit basically to support you and kind of serve as guides and, and give you encouragement when needed. But anyway, so Pamela, back to Pamela here. Before Pamela's family was really supportive, almost too supportive at times. And it basically kind of enabled her to not be independent. So this time around, to give Pamela the opportunity to achieve a independence, her next lifetime, her family was terribly unsupportive. She had an absentee father. She had a mom that had so many problems of her own that she could not emotionally be there for Pamela. So again, pa Pamela's first family, hugely supportive. Pamela's new family in the next lifetime, not at all supportive, very absentee. Pamela basically had to raise herself. And there, there was very little money, so that kind of forced Pamela to have to start working odd jobs basically as soon as she could. And as her life went on, of course she had her share of struggles, but technically, Technically, on a soul level, she was achieving exactly what she set out to do. As crappy as her new family was, they were actually helping her to accomplish her personal growth goal. There was a contract that they would not limit her independence. And how did they do that? They did it by kind of being crappy parents, by not being a supportive family, by being very disjointed. So it's just kind of funny how it all works. And again, we as souls are really just out collecting experiences to be the best well-rounded, wise and compassionate person that we can be. So it's an interesting example, I think. Now here's another one. Here's a soul contract between an individual and a group. Okay, so new person, here's Jamie. And again, this is a soul contract between Jamie and a group of people, okay? But Jamie always had a natural flair for the dramatic. He was very charismatic. He had a great sense of humor that just always seemed to drew or draw an audience to him everywhere he went. He wasn't afraid to stand out and he wasn't afraid to speak out. And he was just, in general, very well liked and had a pretty happy childhood. Until, until his father tragically died in a car accident shortly before his 17th birthday. So now he's devastated, right? His whole world had just fallen apart and all the light had left his eyes. So he began to struggle in school and he had problems with authority figures in his life all the way from his mom to his teachers to bosses at his part-time job. He was just kind of going off the rails a bit. But he felt that nobody understood him and nobody knew what he was really going through. So of course, you know, as, as does happen, he got into drugs and alcohol as a way to numb out the painful feelings. So no longer the class clown, now he was just slowly closing down until he met a girl that was part of a theater group. 
So first, he would just go out there to the theater group with her and kind of hang out. And then he started helping with like some of the stage props and stuff like that. And eventually, down the road, he took up acting. And for the first time in years, he felt in touch with his emotions again and in touch with his sense of humor. And it ended up being so therapeutic for him. So eventually, he started mentoring kids from a troubled background. And the purpose of this soul contract was not so much about the theater itself, but rather the kids that he would eventually mentor. So it provided a much needed form of emotional expression for these kids that just didn't have a safe environment to do that with. Okay, so let's just kind of take this one, one apart here. So the father's death ended up being the catalyst, right? The girl that he met also had a soul connection with him. So there was also a contract that he and she would meet up and get him to this theater place, basically. And there was a contract with every single kid he mentored. So we are meant to meet the people that we meet, even if it's for very brief encounters. But a lot of things can go into helping you fulfill your contracts, even things that are very unpleasant, like your dad dying. So this leads me to another point. You know, as you've gathered, there's a tremendous amount of planning that goes into our lives from the people that we meet to the schools that we go to, to the places that we live, to the circumstances and the jobs that we have. What is never planned out, though, is how we are going to respond to things. So it's how we respond that sets off this whole other chain reaction of options and choices for us. So your spiritual team, which of course is your guides and your angels, they can reasonably predict what you may choose with your free will, which again kind of implies that you can throw your curveball, or sorry, you can throw your team a total curveball because you've got free will. They can only reasonably predict what you're going to do, but it's still up to you kind of thing. So basically your soul contracts are kind of like the formalities of your life calling. So if you've got a life's calling, which of course you do, there's a contract for that. There really truly is. But again, there's so many things that go into it. Okay, so now let's get into this part. So how do these soul contracts and vows and agreements, how do they affect us, right? So contracts and agreements follow the same basic principles as the material world contracts in that they all come with consequences for neglecting your end of the bargain, but there's also some type of reward for fulfilling it. But vows, let's kind of talk about those really quick. You can vow to never give up your freedom again, and then you can have problems with commitments in subsequent lives. Or you can vow to never forget a tragedy in one life and then be haunted by persistent or reoccurring fears or sorrow in the following life. And you can vow to always speak the truth in one life and then be faced with backlash for not having a filter or not being PC enough in a following life. So again, what is the purpose of all of this? It's just so that we are more aware of our words and what we're setting ourselves up for. But anyways, um, those contracts and agreements just make it hard to get out of a situation. But when you do fulfill your contract, you feel really good, like you learned something out of it. But higher consciousness really is just being conscious of what you're saying, what you're agreeing to and what you're doing. So how do you know if you have a soul contract or a vow or an agreement with somebody? Well, here's a few little clues that are pointing towards those. So number one, you can have a strong sense of familiarity at your very first meeting. Like first time you meet them, you just feel like you've known each other for a long time or it just feels very comfortable kind of thing. Secondly, um, you can it can just be more intense. You can be more sensitive to things that they say. You, the whole thing feels far more intense than like a regular friendship or a regular relationship. Like the jokes are super funny, but the offenses are like really offensive. So everything's kind of intensified. Now, number three, vivid dreams. Vivid dreams involving the person that can feel so real that you may wake up feeling a little bit distraught. Now, why would you be having such vivid dreams with somebody? 
in my opinion, I think you're meeting on the astral level. I think a lot of our really intense dreams are not dreams at all. Regular dreams are just where your brain is processing information from the day. But the really vivid ones, the really intense ones, nine out of ten times, that is astral plane. So you guys got together on the astral plane and had an experience. Or like what lucid dreaming is, astral travel, things like that. Okay, number four. What's the number four sign of soul contracts? Well, that would be continued trouble, truly ending a union. <laughs> Life keeps pulling you guys back together. And remember, don't over -remind, romanticize that, but look for the lesson in it. But again, it can make it really hard to separate from a person or separate from a place or a job or all kinds of things, whatever you have that contract with. So... Now, also, number five, obsession. Yeah, being rather obsessed with another person, being obsessed with a calling, being obsessed with a job, being obsessed with a time period even. So if you've got some strong obsessions towards something, you might want to look a little bit deeper into that. Find out what the root of it is. Now, number six. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, this does seem to ring true. Um... The number six is a tendency towards toxicity, abuse, or power struggles in relationships. So if you've got a soul contract, there's a strong chance that there's a little bit of toxicity in it. Could be some controllingness because, again, that's you and that other person desperately trying to never let go of each other. So, yeah, look into those things. Now, number seven and that is blurred boundaries. Um, kind of leaning towards codependency in some areas. Basically, it's where you just can't imagine your life without them and you choose not to do anything without them. So those are seven signs of soul contracts with another person. And if you notice any of those, do the deeper work on yourself. Okay, so basically, how do we break them, right? Just kind of recapping, how do we break them? Ultimately, it is by changing your behavior. It's by fulfilling the contract, but that's by changing your behavior, your attitude, your mindset. You basically prove through your actions that you're done with the contract, not just your words. There's got to be more of a behavioral change that comes out of all of this. And next, just be mindful of what you're creating because we really are creating new ones all the time if you're not paying attention. So um, another quick little example of that is a parent to their child. I will love you forever. Nothing wrong with that in this lifetime. But again, just be a little bit mindful of those things. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And next time I'm going to be talking a little bit more about soul groups since contracts and soul groups kind of go hand in hand. And I'm going to be shedding a little bit more light into these very important relationships with your soul group. So I wish you all a very happy month ahead and I'll see y'all in about a month. And uh, yeah, if you'd like your own personal reading, head over to my website at whisperingleafpsychic.com where you can just book directly online. And thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Bye for now. Mwah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Owning Your Vibe. And to book your very own session, visit my website at whisperingleafpsychic.com. Thanks again, and until next time. Mwah.